Hey guys, welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. And in this episode, I am speaking with Dr. Ingrid Mura. Six months into residency, I realized how hard it is to teeth. You know, the whole time that I was in dental school, I was like, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, maybe it's actually easier to move teeth than Invisalign. And maybe this is actually the industrial revolution. And maybe we don't need orthodontists anymore. That's kind of where my head was at. I was like, maybe I just spent my whole life, like becoming an orthodontist. And like, we're actually not needed. And if that's the case, I would have done something else. I would have like, I would have hard pivoted. I would have like, okay, I'm going to go start something. Like I'm interested in fashion. I'm interested in design. Like I would have done something else. But then I realized like, no, we are actually more needed than ever before. I realized like, Invisalign is like, they tell you, take this four hour course, become an orthodontist. No way in hell. Like, (laughs) there's no way. Like, I'm telling you, it took me two and a half years of full time learning the foundation of moving teeth to realize, like, how, how to give patients high quality care. Where am I an orthodontist at? Um, Actually, this episode is for all general dentist specialists and anyone in the dental industry, but orthodontists may be able to relate a bit more. It's a great episode and a great guest. Um, Dr. Ingrid Mura spent her whole life becoming an orthodontist and then found a bigger need in the industry, and that's when she created Two Fronts. Now, she gives us the backstory of her entrepreneur journey and her journey in ortho, or becoming an orthodontist, but she also talks to us about the struggles it took her to get to where she's at right now, her company. And she also lets us know the thought process uh, behind companies like this. Like, for example, we talk about Smile Direct Club, and it's not like two fronts, but I'm just giving you an example. Like, we talk about Smile Direct Club, and why are people deciding to straighten their teeth in the mail? She answers this question, and we also discuss why so many dentists today are doing Invisalign. She gives us a stat. There are actually more general dentists doing Invisalign than orthodontists. And so many dentists are actually doing it wrong or they're not seeing the results they're hoping and the patients are not seeing the results that they were hoping for either. So she, we, we dive into that a little bit more. She also discusses with us some light bulb moments she has had and some of her book recommendations that will help uh, the business side of dentistry. So definitely look out for that, especially if you're looking to get a new book. And she tells us the reasons and purpose behind Two Fronts and how she played every single role in the dental office, meaning she was the front office treatment coordinator, clinician, etc., to make sure Two Fronts covered what it needed to cover in the practice. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Ingrid Mura. Ingrid, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for coming on. If you don't mind me asking, where are you located? I'm in LA. How are you liking it so far in LA? I love LA. I've been here for two years. I came from New York and I just think it's like the best place ever. Really? More than, where in New York were you at before? All over. Um, I spent some time in the West Village. I spent some time in um, Williamsburg, Lower East Side, honestly all over. And then I worked in Manhattan, I worked in Brooklyn, I worked in Queens, Westchester as an orthodontist. So I really spent time kind of everywhere. New York is like, you know, a playground. It's the best place in the world. But LA, you get amazing weather 24-7, which sounds so cliche, but it actually just like makes me happier. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in, you've lived in New York your whole life or no before that? No, just the past 10 years of my life. So I graduated from college, 
I went to dental school there and then I did residency in Boston, came back to New York and practiced and then moved out of here now officially almost years ago. Awesome. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Let's talk about your the details of the past, present. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So, okay. Look at the question. Um, <laughs> um, I spent my whole life essentially becoming an orthodontist. I decided when I was eight that I was going to become an orthodontist. Um, I had my own amazing orthodontist. His name was Dr. Gott Sagan. Um, he changed my life when I was a little kid. So I spent my whole life, you know, kind of on this path. Got to residency. Um, I guess I got to dental school at NYU. And then I went to residency in Boston at Harvard Dental. And my first year of residency was when Smile Direct Club launched. And basically, up until then, I was very naive when it came to like anything outside of like small practice business. I was always like, I'm going to start the best practice in the world. And I got to residency and I was like, wait, this is so weird. If people I know are like straightening their teeth in the mail that are like smart, and like, then I realized that as I was learning in residency, how tooth movement works, basically that they were getting hurt, like people were developing posterior open bites and all these issues. So that was my very first time that I realized that there had to be a different way of actually getting in, like what people are looking for, which is like high quality care, beautiful smiles. And so from there, I diverted from becoming a full-time practicing orthodontist in New York for about a year and a half to actually running two front where we help orthodontists build hybrid practices from dental offices. Oh, so real quick, two front is where you help orthodontists build practices? Yeah. So it's the first. So basically there's a there's a couple of problems happening in the world right now in the world of dentistry. I'm sure there's a lot more, but at least in, in our world, orthodontists are the number one most in-depth professional in the country, literally of the top 50 professionals. They are half a million to a million dollars in student debt. And most people I know are like 700,000 plus dollars in student debt. So that's a problem in itself. But the other problem is, is that starting a traditional brick and mortar practice as an orthodontist or buying an old one doesn't really make sense because old practices are all braces focused. But in residency now, I learned how to treat all typical braces cases with Invisalign. And so I was like, why am I ever going to use braces again if I can do extraction cases, surgical cases, et cetera, all with Invisalign? But patients don't know why they need orthodontists anymore because 19 out of every 20 Invisalign providers are general dentists. And they kind of see it as this like AI driven um, technology. But the reality is that orthodontists are more needed than ever before. Everyone's going to their general dentist, asking them like, how should I straighten my teeth? And general dentists only have the capabilities to treat very simple cases. And so that's why I started Two Fronts. So we can really help bring dentists and orthodontists together so that they can collaborate in providing patients with better care. So is it like, hey, this is like a referral type of system, two front or? We call it, we say it's kind of like Uber meets Airbnb for clear liners. So we basically Uberize the orthodontic practice where we give orthodontists the tools and the team to actually run hybrid practices by leveraging space from local dental offices. So what does that mean? So for orthodontists who work with us, we give them as the tech tools. So everything from registering patients who are actually interested in the consultation, scheduling them, verifying their insurance, um, the payment, the entire software is what we handle all the way through virtual patient care, et cetera. To deliver patients this kind of very seamless digital experience that they're looking for, 
we pair them with a dental assistant and a treatment coordinator. And they go into dental offices once a month to actually treat the patients in those dental offices. So once a month, they're going in for like Invisalign deliveries, IPR, all the kind of in-between appointments that are needed for, for Invisalign. And then they're managing their patients virtually, you know, check, their patients are basically checking in twice a month. And so because they have this vertically integrated platform, because they have, you know, back-end support where they have customer service and they have like claims management and financing support through us, and then they see patients from local dental offices, they're able to kind of build this new way of practicing where dentists can offer all of their patients what they're looking for, which is expert-led care and a really convenient, great experience, great financing plans, et cetera, so that everyone wins. Wow. Okay. So we'll dive into that a little bit more, but I want to rewind a little bit, talk about eight-year-old Ingrid. <laughs> and you decided at that moment, was it because of your ortho? Because he was like so nice or she was so nice or they were like a oh, fantastic person. Is that why you're like, I want to do that or why? Yeah, it was a couple of reasons. I was like, so I had like massive, crazy teeth coming out of her mouth and I was just a little girl. And it was the first time that I ever felt insecure. And basically I was like looking in the mirror. This is before Google existed. I'm aging myself right now. <laughs> and I asked and she was like, AJ.com? Like what a mouth reduction was. I was like, how do I make my mouth smaller? Like literal, literal eight-year-old me is typing that in. And it turns out I just wanted braces. And my, the, my orthodontist was the man, Dr. Gottsagen. He was like so gregarious and so nice. And everyone, I grew up in New Orleans, everyone in New Orleans went to him. And I, I saw him for four years because my teeth were so messed up. And every time I saw him, I was so excited to see him, see my friends there and see my smile improve. And four years later, when they got my braces off, my, I was just a different person. I was transformed. I was like so much more confident. And I realized that power of a smile really changes someone's lives. And so at that point, I was like, I'm going to do this for everyone. For, yeah, th- th- that was it right there. Man, that's so smart for you to be like, how to make my mouth smile. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what to type in at eight years old. But okay. So then from that point on, it was pretty much a straight shot. You graduated like, you know, I mean, school and everything like that. You went into Did you already know when you were in residency that, oh man, I'm going to probably own my own practice or was that never a really thought? Yeah. Yeah. I think as an orthodontist, like we all, I think most dentists, we go into being like, we're going to be practice owners. Like we don't think like I'm going to work for someone for the rest of my life. And so that was always the goal. Like I'm going to start an awesome practice. Like I'm going to, it's going to be like the best patient experience, most digitally forward. I'm going to provide the highest level of quality care. That was always my focus. And there, but then throughout that journey, so many things popped up. Like I knew in dental school that there was more dentists and orthodontists doing Invisalign. So all throughout dental school, I'm kind of waiting. I'm like, when are we going to learn how to move teeth? Like, (laughs) what is happening here? What am I missing? Um, And then when I started residency, it was just the most intense, like you can ask any orthodontist, the most intense time of just learning like, what's called biomechanics, which is the foundation of tooth movement. And I was like, this is really hard stuff. How is anyone doing this who's not a specialist? It took me probably like two and a half years into residency to be like, okay, I'm now at the point that I am com- comfortable enough to treat friends, family, like with or with, with Invisalign or with braces without like supervision by like, you know, someone who's teaching me in residency. So it was really the first time that I was like, something's wrong here. 
only specialist should be moving teeth, but no one's going to a specialist. And then I graduated and then one in two of my patients were retreats. Either, you know, they came in with a posterior open bite because they were treated by a general dentist um, or they were mail order liner patients and they had like even worse things going on. So at that point is when I was like, I can't, can, like what I'm trying to do, you know, by helping people, I don't want to help people on a one-to-one basis because now that venture capital, like backed companies are in the space, too much damage is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you, you bring a good point. I remember when I was working in some practices, like we always did Invisalign, you know what I mean? But it was more like a type of thing where it's like, we need to, like a consultant would come in and they'd be like, oh, we need to bump up collections. Like let's start introducing Invisalign, right? You know what I mean? Oh, totally. People so, do it for the wrong reasons. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you, do you feel like when those cases came to you, were you like, oh man, like <laughs> what, what were you guys even thinking? Like, what is this or no? You know, it's just sad. It's so sad. Like people don't, people like, why do you want to strain your teeth? Because you want a beautiful smile or because like you have a bite issue, like a functional issue and like your smile, like the center of your face. Like there's just, I know personally because I went through it. And then not only did they not put what they wanted, but they come in like damaged. And it's not like, it's not like an easy thing. It's not like something like Botox, you know, we're like, oh, you got in, you went to a dermatologist, you got Botox and like, it didn't look good. This could be like, I think the worst situation that I saw was in 2019, I saw a patient in Queens who had been wearing Smile Direct Club through your liners for four years. And she was like, so committed. She was like, I wear my liners 22 hours a day. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why they're not working. And her teeth were so mobile. And I took a panoramic x-ray and I looked at her roots and I couldn't even touch her because her root to crown ratio was one to one. And it's just so devastating that like, she didn't know any better. Like anyone who doesn't know dentistry looks at marketing and it's like, oh, like this must work, right? Like before I realized how complicated this process was, I would walk into any Sephora and be like, oh yeah, this must work. Yeah. That's a good analogy. That's a good way to put it. Why then? So when Smile Direct Club launched, I mean, I'm sure you noticed it. Like, like everybody kind of, it, it became huge, right? Still is kind of big. But like, what, what is the deal? Why are people deciding to straighten their teeth in the mail, in your opinion? Because it, it seems it's more convenient. Like no one likes going to the dentist, right? Like it's historically a bad experience. It's inconvenient. It's expensive. If you are able to make your teeth more beautiful in an easier, more convenient, more affordable way, of course, you're going to like go, of course, you're going to do it. And like, I, I know personally, like our company, like we register in like all the mail order liner company marketing flows just to kind of see what they tell their patients. Yeah. And like, if you don't know anything about dentistry, I would sign up. Like their marketing is so good. Like they'll, they'll, they'll send out emails like smell direct club versus Invisalign, why we're better. I'm convinced by that. <laughs> yeah. So it's really just marketing gone wrong. It's it's lack of regulation at the at the Congress level, and it's it's money being put into marketing instead of R and D. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. So then from that point on, you decided I'm gonna you know eventually do my own thing, right? Once I get out of residency, you started noticing like why is there so many dentists doing Invisalign instead of ortho, orthodontist, uh, things like that. Where did it start to pivot where you're like, oh, man, I'm not going to open up my own practice. I'm going to probably put a dent in this industry instead or like, you know, change the trajectory of something else. 
It was honestly my first year in residency. Like when I, six months into residency, I realized how hard it is to fatigue. You know, the whole time that I was in dental school, I was like, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, maybe it's actually easier to move teeth than Invisalign. And maybe this is actually the industrial revolution. And maybe we don't need orthodontists anymore. That's kind of where my head was at. I was like, maybe I just spent my whole life like becoming an orthodontist. And like, we're actually not needed. And if that's the case, I would have done something else. I would have like, I would have hard pivoted. I would have like, okay, I'm going to go start something like I'm interested in fashion. I'm interested in design. Like I would have done something else. But then I realized like, no, we are actually more needed than ever before. I realized like Invisalign is like, they tell you, take this four hour course, become an orthodontist. No way in hell. Like (laughs) there's no way. Like I'm telling you, it took me two and a half years of full-time learning the foundation of moving teeth to realize like how, how to give patients high quality care. And so that was the first time. And so I started, I applied to take, to get my MBA, my dual MBA at the Harvard Business School. And they denied me because they only, they only offer MBA to um, dual MBA to medical. So what I did is I ended up auditing like a lot of the classes at the Harvard Business School. So I started learning about business. I, at that point I took, I listened to all the business podcasts, you know, like how I built this and all those. I read all the books, Peter Thiel, zero to one. And then, and I basically was like prepping myself as I was learning orthodontics with like how to build the business. And then I graduated residency. I had student debt like everyone else. I moved to Manhattan. I was working six days a week to fund, you know, my student debt, my life and pay my rent and also fund the business. And so basically I was orthodontist by day, entrepreneur by night. And I figured out how to raise venture capital money. And that's the very beginning of Two Front in 2019. Oh, wow. So it started when in 2019? Um, so I incorporated in April of 2019. <sighs> first raise at the end of 2019. Um, and that was just like the very beginning of the journey. We pivoted through three different business models. I had no idea what I was going to do. Like at first I was, I got Tom Lee, the founder of One Medical, to be our very first investor. I was like, One Medical was like the coolest, like best primary care company in the space. You know, they hire the best doctors. They've got beautiful clinics. Mm -hmm. They've got a beautiful digital experience. So I convinced him to be our very first investor, which I thought was awesome. I was so excited about that. And so we were going to start a DSO. I was going to start a DSO for orthodontists. I was going to, you know, create a beautiful experience for patients, for orthodontists, um, a digital experience to make it better and more convenient for patients. And I realized very quickly that I didn't want to raise money to invest millions and millions of dollars in clinics in marketing mm. costs. The marketing costs when you're competing against Smile Direct Club and the rest of these companies is insane. Like even venture-backed company at that point, which we were, the marketing costs per, per patient were nuts because there's so many people competing for the same patient. And at that point, I was like, orthodontists are screwed. Like you can't compete for patients when there's venture-backed companies competing against your patients as well, saying that you're not needed and that they're three times cheaper at the minimum. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that was the first business model, right? That you were going to do the DSOs. What was the second? And then obviously, well, talk to me about the second one. Yeah, so the second one was um, basically at home. So, so from my first business model, I learned that there was three major issues, which is high CapEx or like brick and mortar costs high customer acquisition costs or marketing. And the third problem, which is the problem that I ignored in this, in this model is low orthodontist retention. 
And what I mean by that is like, we all go to residency to be independent, to be business owners, not to be employed. I had to solve for those three problems. So we did this at-home model, which is similar to Heal. Um, Heal is a Santa Monica-based primary care company where they send, uh, they raise like $100 million and they send primary care physicians to people's homes. So like the old school model of like the 1920s. And so we were going to do something similar. We are sending orthodontists to your home for clear liners. We are saving on CapEx costs in that way, but it was operationally incredibly challenging. If you leave composite, (laughs) you don't have composite, you're screwed for a home visit. So it was just so complex to manage all the inventory and everything like that. But it didn't solve for the customer acquisition costs. You know, we were able to to reduce CapEx costs, but we were still spending so much money on marketing. Gotcha. Yeah, that would be kind of difficult. I mean, it'd be nice, you know what I mean, to have your own ortho or like orthodontist come to your house and everything. I loved it. <laughs> oh, so you tried that? Yeah, yeah. We are live and in, in, it's actually the first time that I, when I moved to LA two years ago, that's the business that we launched with. So we were, I was about to open up a clinic right in Union Square in Manhattan. We had the space, we had the design, we had everything. Pandemic hit and it was, we need to be more, t- more perfect. So we, I was about to sign a 10-year lease. And at that point, I was freaking out because I hadn't realized how high the marketing costs were, how high the CapEx costs were. And so it was a perfect opportunity for us to pivot to this at-home model, move to LA, tried it. It was also this, you know, it didn't solve for the problems that we were trying to solve for. So we operated that way for about six months before I realized that there's this other way that we can operate and build a business. The one where the at-home, when did you feel like this isn't working out anymore? It's a good question because you never, you never know like exactly when the right moment is. But at this point now I had gone through both of these business models with the same customer acquisition tactic or like online marketing, right? Like how can we actually lower our customer acquisition costs and just testing. And like, because I had these great investors, I was able to work with some of the best marketing agencies in New York and all over. Um, And no matter what, we couldn't get our marketing costs lower because price wins online. And with price wins online, the expert is not going to win against the cheapest option, even if the cheapest option is worse. And so at a certain point, I think it was because of the marketing dollars that I was like, you know what? I could hire someone from Amazon and I could make, I can make the actual, the, the operations work. But it was really the marketing that I realized was a big issue. And also there were some operational issues. Like if you're a small orthodontist like me and you have a team and like as much as we can make the, the materials compact, it was still burdensome to the orthodontist to have to be carrying around so much. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. The, the first model, I can see how that would be like a, a huge uphill battle, right? Second one, I can see where you're coming with with the marketing price does win online, right? Like it doesn't even matter if it's like the worst option and everything like that. Google don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the third one, how did that come out to be? Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I was so stressed at this point. I was like, oh, my God, like we had I had to raise a little bit over a million dollars. I had to raise up one point four billion. You know, I had I had pivoted through two business models, realizing it's not working. This like, they're both like direct to consumer business models. And I was so stressed. This is like eight months into the pandemic. And then I got COVID and I got it so badly. Like I I was one of those people that was out for a month 
And I think it was probably because I was so stressed that my immune system was so low. But what it allowed me to do was just like literally not work. I was like in bed, horizontal, sleeping 18 hours a day. And I think it was like this moment of just like calm and peace that the model came to me where I was like, okay, well, we have these orthodontists. We have these patients. Who do patients trust? Their dentist. If there's one, if there's one person who's going to win over like online marketing, it's your dentist telling them this is the highest quality care. And, you know, all my friends are dentists from NYU and, you know, I've got hundreds of friends who are dentists. And I realized like they're facing a huge problem. Dentists want to offer their patients some form of clear line or treatment to retain their patients, you know, like they're getting us every single day. And if they don't give them a solution, their patients are going to go somewhere else. So that's when I really realized that we need to unite. We need to figure out how to collaborate and how to unite these 12,000 orthodontists in the country with these other 200,000 dentists in the country to provide patients with what they're looking for. So I spent the next couple of months basically mapping out what is a business model? What is a legal infrastructure? What hiring needs or what are the costs, you know? And at this point, when I realized that the prior business model wasn't working, I had to let go of my entire team. And I basically built this thing from scratch all on my own for three to four months, launched a business model in LA last April. I am forever grateful to my, my, my little in residency who ended up being our very first orthodontist who I matched with my dentist, who's an incredible dentist here in West Hollywood. They're both amazing, like literal dream team. And I'm like thankful to them forever for like letting me figure out this business model with them. So we launched that. I served as a treatment coordinator so that I can learn kind of like what the in-office operation would be like. How do we serve a dentist, the patient, and the orthodontist with this streamlined business model? How do we how do we make this better than anything else out there? So I think like for my perspective, it was like before Airbnb existed, you could rent at your house. You can put your house on the Craigslist, just as someone can bring in an, an in-house orthodontist. But there's so many issues, <laughs> like everything from like the operations to the liability to what happens if your orthodontist leaves, what happens to your patients. So I thought they were like, how do we solve for this through a tech company? Mm-hmm. Basically did that, launched five more offices in LA and basically figured out how it is that we're going to do this. And then in October of last year, we raised three and a half million dollars to basically professionalize this model. So that's where we are now. And now we're in the process of scaling from 10 to 100 offices in LA. Oh, wow. When you were in the trenches, I guess, as a treatment coordinator, and you know what I mean? You wanted to see how everything was streamlined. What were some of the road bumps where you were like, okay, the handoff, I, I can see this. This is where we lose it. Where were some of those? Yeah. And to be totally transparent, it was every single role, everything from like operations to scheduling to treatment coordinator to claims management, I kind of just, I I saw at the whole patient journey, like what is handoff from dentist to consultation to everything else. So I would say like the treatment coordinator piece was difficult because I realized the average patient is price shopping in like a major, major way. This isn't like you need a root canal. It's not bringing in an endodontist or someone or a periodontist or someone who's doing your implants. Like if you're bringing in another specialist, you basically have the work for them, right? If you're bringing in an, an orthodontist, there's so much price shopping and also lack of trust. And also like there's all, everyone is asking, why are you more expensive? Yeah. And so I think the biggest difference, like people ask me all the time, like, are you going to expand this business model to like endodontists and, and implantologists and everyone else? Yeah, eventually. But for now, you know, the hardest part for us is solving this market for orthodontists 
because you've got to get past this the, the facts. We've got to figure out how to educate patients so that they're not price shopping. We've got to figure out how to actually keep patients in-house at the dental practice and make them understand the value of orthodontist led Invisalign, a seamless digital experience, the best payment plans right from your office, and the convenience that we're able to offer them with our model of basically, you know, eliminating most in-person visits because we have the vertically integrated virtual software. So the patient can go on to like your software or something like that, like in the, and then just find an orthodontist or no? No, no, no. So they go to the orthodontist that's at the dental office. So the way we work is we match orthodontists with local dental offices. And that orthodontist becomes that dental office's orthodontist. And so we market to the patients internally of the dental office so that they can actually work with the orthodontist at that office. But unlike most other dental procedures, most patients like are looking elsewhere because there's so many different options. Like typically if you need a root canal, you're going to go to the whoever's doing a root canal at your dental office. That's not the case for orthodontics. And so that's the, that's the biggest challenge that we face. Got you. Have you ever had to kind of like um, go over the, I guess, like the the speed bump or the road bump of where dentists think like or practice owner may be thinking like, well, I don't want to refer out this easy case. That's money in my pocket. I don't see the purpose of that. Does that ever happen? Of course. Yeah. And we have to build the business model so that it's better for the for the dentist than it is to do in business themselves. And so with our business model, we have DSOs all over the country who are wanting to partner with us because it's a better business decision. We allow you to make passive income with no fixed costs and none of your time. So the dentist gets paid. They get paid for every single uh, patient, $1,200. And that's none of your time. We're actually part of the Invisalign Special Markets Program. So Invisalign gives access to a ton of data. And Invisalign has shown us that there's 96,000 Invisalign practices in the world. The average Invisalign practice starts one Invisalign patient per month. And the average patient who gets treated by a dentist spends six hours in total actually treating an Invisalign patient. And a lot of dentists think, nope, that's not me. All I do is I scan them, my assistant scans them, and then I press accept on the ClinCheck and I give them the liners and that's it. That's not true. (laughs) They don't realize how many requirements they're in and how long it takes of their staff's time, the claims management, the scheduling, the rescheduling, the emergency visits. All of that ends up taking an average of six hours per patient. And so if you look at the way a dentist makes money, a dentist is supposed to work on average, according to the ADA, 1,600 hours a year, um, making $497 per chair time hour. If you're charging $6,000, you're actually not really benefiting. You're actually not really making money per patient. And most of the dental consultants will tell you this. And so when we partner with the dental office, we, took, we, we buy the Ictero. We take over the miscellaneous lab costs. We pay the orthodontist. We pay the staff. We pay all the materials and the supplies. We handle claims management, customer service, absolutely everything. So we basically act as their Invisalign operating partner where dentists get to benefit. Because if you have, if a dentist has the space and patience, there is a lot of those patients who want to straighten their teeth and we allow you to treat them with passive income. So I like to say, you know, some people, dentists definitely say, but I like doing Invisalign. Great. If you could go, if you, if you like going to the gym, but you didn't have to go to the gym and you could all be fit and also have incredible energy, would you still do it? If the answer is yes, keep doing it. If it's a hobby and you like doing it, keep doing it. But if this is the business and if you're going to want to offer your patients better care 
and make a better business decision because you have no fixed costs, especially during a recession, then I would say that's how you make a decision here. Yeah, less effort. Also, if we could eat like pizza and everything else, then yeah, I would totally, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. give me that. Give me that pill. You know what I mean? Exactly. Definitely. It's like you, you might you might like like it, but like, what's the better decision? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get you. And it's true. I never thought about it that way. Like, oh, I lost my retainer. Oh, my bracket broke. Oh, you know what I mean? They come in, the patient comes in for it. The perfect patient would just, even the perfect patient, you still come out losing, right? In the sense of that. You lose. And so he, he say that we run the most efficient Invisalign practice in the world. We have figured out scheduling, rescheduling, emergencies, everything, so that it's hands off for the dentist. Like all of that happens on our, on our team. So that all they do is provide that chair, chair once a month, and like we're taking care of their patients. So it, it really becomes just like passive income for the dentist. Yeah. Is there a fixed uh, or set rate that they get paid everybody all around? Yep. Gotcha. Like everybody's different or like, no, all across the board, America, everybody gets paid one specific. Across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Could I ask what, what it is? Yep. We get, we pay $1,200 per patient. Gotcha. Okay. So 1200 And then you can focus on other things too, right? Like I mean, what you want to do besides uh, just doing that. This is interesting, Ingrid. This is very, very interesting. I kind of want to go back to a little bit of where you talked about, you started learning about business, what were some books you recommend and what were, what were some of the light bulbs when you started studying that where you're like, oh, now, now this is going to be easier because I got this. Yeah. Um, I would say there's no magic trick. There's no, now it's going to be easier. And um, I think people ask me all the time, they're like, what's the trick? There is no trick. The trick is discipline. The trick is like discipline and perseverance and not being afraid to fail. Like you're going to, I fail every single day and like failure is not something that you can be deterred by. Like when you fail, you have to have this attitude of like, oh, that's something that didn't work. Great. When am I going to try next? And so there's all, you know, there's, I would say like the best podcast that got me that inspired me to be able to do something different was how I built this. The Mm -hmm. fundamental books that I read are like Peter Thiel, like, like zero to one to raise venture capital, it was venture deals. And um, I forget who the author is, but venture deals is really, really good. It taught me like the mechanics of like investment vehicles and all that kind of stuff. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's just being fearless, being execution oriented and being disciplined and not ever giving up. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people can kind of read and things like that, you know what I mean? But then it's the execution part. But it also, I mean, like talking to you lets us know or lets me know, I mean, think about it this way. You did it in the middle of the pandemic, right? Like uh, of COVID. You got COVID. You were stressed. You went through three different months. So easy for you to just been like, I'm going to take a breather, take a break, mm-hmm. work as an orthodontist for like two years. You know what I mean? Gather some money, get out of it. But you just kind of kept pivoting because of grit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. It's like, it's just, you can't give, I, I hear a lot of people say like, well, first I'm going to do this. If you have an attitude, you're never going to do it. You just start. Like you just, there's no, like, there's no this and then that. It's always has to be that. <laughs> yeah. Man, you totally called me out because I'm always like, first I'm going to do this and then, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's brilliant. I really, really like that. Throughout this whole process, Ingrid, from the, I guess the moment you decided to start to front till today, What have been some of the biggest, um, I guess, roadblocks or pitfalls or biggest fails that you've experienced? 
Yeah, I definitely don't consider anything a failure. Everything's a learning. And, and I'm a strong, strong, strong believer in that. I would say the hardest thing is learning how to hire. Like the absolute hardest thing. If you want to build something that's bigger than yourself, you have to bring on the right team to help you build it. And figuring out like what values are, and, and there's no formula for it, right? Like what are your values and what do you value in a person that's going to work at your company? Um, being able to figure out like what you're looking for in a resume, what level like uh, of talent you're looking for. Is someone junior? Is someone senior? You know, what personality traits are good for 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 this role? Figuring out that kind of stuff is incredibly hard, especially because like, I think if I would have had like one to two years at like a tech company, I would have learned more from just like observing like, okay, what's a good engineer? What's a good marketer? Like, what's a good, what's a good, you know, what makes this kind of role? But I, I had to learn by trial by fire. I had to learn by just like interviewing tons of people and hiring and firing a lot. Really? Wow. The hiring and firing part, were you more like, oh, this person sounds fantastic. Two weeks in, you're like, man, they really don't, is not to the team. Is it their personality? What is that? Not that, or they just lie the whole time. They're really not that great. Like, what did you see a trend of? Yeah. So, so I would say like, I got better at it with every single day that I'm building a business and like learning how to hire to your point. It's all about hire slow, fire fast. And the things for me that don't lie are anything values oriented. Like for me, it's like making sure that we have people that like follow my values. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. And then throughout this process, how has it affected your personal life? So I think work is life for me. <laughs> like I love what I do. And like, I spend my whole life, you know, on this. I, I, I spent my entire life that I remember, like becoming an orthodontist and wanting to help people. And so I think for me, at the end of the day, kind of knowing, like, I'm so mission oriented, that it, it, it makes me so fulfilled. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of this blend that like work is personal. Um, but obviously, of course, it was like a relationship outside of work and like, uh, you know, all my friends. And so I think what it does for me is it makes me value my time a lot because I, I work a lot, a lot, a lot. And so that means that like I don't have much time outside of work. And so my time outside of work, I really make sure to like spend it the way I want to be spending it. And it's mostly like hanging out with the people that like I really truly care about. Yeah. I feel like right now you'd be like super duper busy. You know what I mean? Or you are, you are super duper busy, like building this thing up. You know what I mean? Especially when you're like, oh, we plan to do it with endodontists and everything else. Like it's going to be, it's going to be big, Ingrid. It's going to be big. Yeah. yeah it's going to be awesome. Any last piece of advice you want to give to our listeners? Advice. I don't know if I'm someone that has advice. <laughs> I guess for, for your, our listeners, any questions that, that dentists ever have about like, should I be offering Invisalign, case selection? How do I partner with Toothfront? What are the downsides of bringing an in-house orthodontist? And then it all, you know, like I, and I, this is literally like, I have so much experience in this arena at this point, that anything on that end, I'd be happy to answer any questions to anyone who, who is curious about how, how mail order liner works, what to do if, some, if a case goes wrong. I'm happy to kind of serve as like a listening or as a sounding block. Awesome. Ingrid, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. So our website is um, mytwofront.com. All spelled out like my two front teeth. Our Instagram's at mytwofront. And my um, my personal Instagram, which I'm realizing a lot, it's just such a good method of communication nowadays, 
is at dr ingrid mira and um, my email is ingrid at my two awesome so guys that's all going to be in the show notes below as always if you want to go check it out and reach out to ingrid and ingrid thank you so much for being with us it was a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon thank you thank you guys so much for tuning in and supporting the podcast remember one of the best ways you can support the podcast is obviously checking out our sponsors and second thing is leaving us a review on itunes it helps us out a ton to let us know how we're doing so if you want you can go in the show notes below and just click on leave a review on itunes and uh leave one and let us know how we're doing but thank you guys so much for tuning in ingrid thank you so much for being a part of this episode we truly appreciate it uh thank you for letting us dive deeper into your life guys if you want to reach out to her you can go in the show notes below um, and reach out to her there find all her contact information where you can also join the dental marketer society facebook group and in there is where we talk about this episode and many many other episodes and we talk with our guests in that facebook group as well so thank you guys so much for tuning in and i'll talk to you in the next episode